Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sounds of the Hardwood Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Akeem Ali, filling in for Brandon Lee. In today's episode, we'll be going over how COVID has affected this year's NBA season, how some recent social justice issues have also played a part in the NBA season, and also be going into our own, who we feel are the greatest starting fives of all time, and the greatest scorers, shooters, defenders, and playmakers of all time. I'll start this episode, and then we're going to kick it to one of y'all, so we'll do something a little different. I will start off the topic today. I'm going to kick it for one of y'all to start it off, switch it up a little bit. Sounds good. The cold this year has been interesting. Some games have been canceled with two to it. 76ers had to play a game with just seven players. They had eight players. One was hurt, so they had to play with seven. We had some games Monday night this evening canceled due to COVID. So we had the Pelican games canceled for tonight. And then tomorrow, the Celtic game got canceled due to COVID. Everybody's had their own opinion on how COVID has affected the season, whether it's traveling, whether it's practice scheduling, workout scheduling, game scheduling themselves, or even a lack of fans or no fans in arenas have had on NBA seasons. I think the practice scheduling and traveling has probably been the biggest adjustment for a lot of teams. You're playing games on less travel days, so usually you get an extra day, you have a travel day, then another day that you had before you played that game. Now it's you traveling the night after the game, and then you got to play that game the next night, or you only have one day of rest, or it's throwing off workouts, throwing off practices. So I think that's took a big adjustment for teams. That's the, probably the lopsided and rusty basketball. So that's really all I take from the COVID right now, the most part of it, I don't see the fear of players getting it and then having to spread throughout the teams in the NBA. But definitely the practice and training schedule and the traveling has had the biggest impact to me on the odd play NBA teams right now. I um I agree. Unfortunately, freaking it was bound to happen. This is the risk the NBA took. With the new season starting and them not wanting to have it in the bubble, all that, you kind of realize it's only a matter of time and then spikes going up everywhere basically the whole u.s there's a spike the way they handle it i don't really agree with it i think there was a common freaking denominator with the past few teams they all played the wizards within their last two prior games and all of a sudden somebody tested positive or somebody said i'm not saying somebody on the wizards has it but i mean bradley bill out here giving people buckets he might be passing it (laughs) passing that around too (laughs) but all jokes aside, though, just look at how it transitioned. Like, Philly played them, and Philly had, you know, it was just Seth. But, you know, that's one person. Then you got the close contact protocols and all that, which close contact protocols with NBA, who knows exactly what that means? Because one day we hear, you know, if you was outside of the arena or practice with them, like, you know, inside their apartment or house, whatever, or maybe the training facility in the weight room with them, you know, close contact, no mask within 15 minutes. But then the next day, it could just be, oh, you guys chopped up after the game. That's close contact. Nope. So it, it just kind of sucks because it's like you don't really know. And then I don't really agree with that rule that you could play if you got eight players. Because look what would have happened to Boston yesterday. Before we found out Miami was hurt just as bad as Boston, Boston's freaking eight looked horrible. <laughs> like on paper. Not that those players are horrible players. They're just not, you know starters or players to get through uh you know a Miami team and then Miami ended up having the same situation because it had an inconclusive test and then today with the Mavs game. So it's just gonna happen when you got people traveling different states, they're playing every other day and it's just like Soto, you know, I know too, just from having COVID hit close to home, like it don't really show in twenty four hours or even forty eight. It could be seventy two. The doctors will tell you, the nurses will tell you, even if you can Google it and find that out. So I feel like just talking about the oh all right, you play this team 
on Monday, you came out positive on Tuesday. Okay, so you're, you're cleared to play Wednesday. Like, no, if somebody you played on Monday on the other team came out positive, you, you was on the court with that person. Like, they're not playing with masks on. They're playing with no mask, so that you know you're still breathing heavily on each other, players. close eye, all that stuff. <laughs> that test, they do regular testing for the players. Yeah, I think it's two. Maybe I think game day is three, and then regular days is two, right? And one of them, one of them is a rapid. Anybody that yeah. comes in contact, anybody that has tested positive, you have to pass six tests before you're allowed to play or resume any type of NBA activity. Yeah. You guys pretty much like summarize everything, you know, regarding uh, COVID. The NBA, you know, abandoned the bubble, you know, and that's actually, that was a very bad idea because, so, you know, you have like teams like Miami Heat missing eight players, Celtics are missing seven, Sixers are missing, I think, like five. Five, yeah. Today are missing like four or five. So this is the price you pay for not wanting to do the season in the bubble, which they should have done. It's unfortunate for those players because it's like now they, they can't go back home. They have to yeah, isolate yeah. themselves, you know, from their, you know, family or friends. And I don't know, the NBA kind of dropped the ball on this one. They, they should have, you know, maintained themselves in the bubble. I think the G League are doing it in the bubble, right? Yeah, G League is going to be in the bubble start in February. Uh, the same place where the NBA was in the summer, down there yeah. at the Orlando Resort. So that's probably why they was like, you know what, we have the NBA do this. Yeah, it, it was just, you know, this. it was just a, a bad call, you know, just to, with all the traveling and then all these different workouts and then not everyone is being supervised. Yep. They were hoping that because a lot of states like New York is like uh, Governor Cuomo let the Buffalo Bills have a playoff game. You know, they were fans yeah. for the first time. Yep. Some other states have been doing fans. So the NBA was hoping that these cities that are allowing the professional sports team to have fans would be able to capitalize on that. Almost it's forty percent of their income that they're missing when they don't have fans in their arena. But that's a lot of money that the NBA was trying to at least give these teams the opportunity to make back if they could have some form of fan capacity. And then the players weren't really open to the idea of playing a full season in a bubble. So they kinda had the the options of saying, okay, you don't really want to do a bubble. The NBA teams would like to have their home games that they could have fans to make that revenue or fans being in the arena. So they kind of gave a It was a business bit. decision. That's what it was. That, okay, y'all yeah. guys want to be home. Y'all don't want to be in a bubble. They saw how much money they lost last season. So yeah. obviously they didn't want to go through that same process this season. But now they're paying the price for it. Exactly. Think- like Kim like was saying, sorry to cut you off, it was, it was a... Overall, it was a, a business decision from the executive all the way down to the players because think about it. Nobody wants to hear, all right. Because at first, remember, in the summer, they was going to do two different bubbles because, you know, you can't have everybody in one bubble, which still could have played out. And then maybe just had them, you know, teams travel to each other's bubbles at some point, maybe once a month. So that way you have everybody still playing everybody. But they were going to do that. But I think once players heard that if they had to do that or if they pushed the season to start not until February, they was going to take that pay cut, even though, you know, not everybody needs that NBA money. A lot of people are surviving off endorsement money. But there's other players who, you know, just are getting by with the NBA money or need the NBA money to get by. And they're like, I'm not trying to hear no pay cut or no drastic pay cut. So it was a big decision. And this is what comes with it. They all know that they all knew the risk. And yeah. honestly, nothing's going to change until a few more big names. Like if we hear LeBron get it. Or we, you know what I mean? Or Chris Paul get it or like more big, big names. And they might be like, all right, you know what? We're going to pause this for a second. But I think out of all the, out of all the, I guess, top what 
10 players in the NBA right now, you know, based off the bubble and now, what? It might have been two or three main names, main players, and then the rest are just like a few players off the bench. I probably, like Soto said, aren't being monitored. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So it's like. I'll applaud the NBA's ability to contain. They really haven't had a very bad spread. Like, there hasn't been a whole team say we got a, every last player has tested positive. Yeah. That has. There's been a few players, and even not even out of the a group of players that they shut down, not every last one of them have tested positive. They've been exposed to someone. Yeah, close right? contact situation. Yeah, they're, they're putting even preventive measures in place where they're saying, okay, it's not enough to say that you have it. If you've been near anybody, if, I, if we do contact tracing and find out that you've been near someone, we're going to be play it safe and shut it down. Yeah, so I think help them not have to say, okay, we got to put the season on pause because every time someone says I've been in contact with or someone that's positive, they're right on it, they shut it down, and then you don't come back until they know that you're 100% ready, safe to be able to come back. Yeah, so I, yeah, they, agreed. I, I just want to make that clear to, like, you know, the viewers, the fans, all that. They're like, we're not, we're not saying we want that to happen, you know. We don't want no drastic outbreak in the NBA. Let's just hope this is the biggest outbreak that happens. It was bound to happen. I, I think this whole COVID situation, when it comes to like NBA teams, owners, it's all about money. And that's why they don't want to do another bubble. And jeopardizing a lot of the players, because look at just one example. Look at, you know, the Washington Wizards. They played Brooklyn. They played the Nets. And I think they played mm-hmm. Philly. All three teams had players who went into the protocol. And they played and Boston, same thing. It's putting not only yourselves at risk, but, you know, loved ones at home, friends, family, you know. It's two sides uh, of the coin. That's the thing. Is you got the fear of the health and the safety. But then on the other half, you got the the concept of it. I'm wanting to have the season active because of all the jobs. You got the front office executives for each individual team. Then you got the NBA office executives. Then you have the people that are working the arenas and the games right now. The camera crew, the media coverage. So there's so many people that depend on the season being active for their livelihood. So it's just like a give and take, COVID itself, and then you got the fear of you don't have no season, those people have jobs. So the NBA does have a tough thing to juggle here. Oh, for sure. It, it, it's way tougher than the NFL. So, I mean, uh, since, like, the numbers are spiking, you know, players going into the protocol, like you said, it's not confirmed that they all have it. Do you think, like, they'll shorten the season? Do you think they'll go back into a bubble? Do you think, think we're far from ending it? They already had in place, like, a... a I guess you would call that extra two weeks where they were going to have people play their makeup game. I'm not sure exactly when that two weeks comes into play, but I was watching the jump yesterday, I believe, or earlier, no, Friday, or honestly, it might have been earlier today, and then they were talking about how that's why they put that two-week gap. Basically, it's just two weeks of just in case, and if nothing happens, and they just have that, you know, but since they already have to postpone games, if they can't get it within those two teams' schedules to replay, then they're going to have to carry over to wherever that that two-week gap is at. So they have that. So I think bubble-wise, also what they were talking about um, on the jump is that they should, when it hits playoffs, go back to the bubble. I'm 110% on that bandwagon because then it's just small amount of teams. I think nobody, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but that I can remember, I don't think nobody tested Positive yeah, the, the bubble was clean. No, the bubble was clean. So if anybody got in trouble, it was because they were trying to break bubble. <laughs> oh, yeah, they tried to hear the house. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it's been fun. Their plan is very thorough. They gave like a 134 page protocol 
to the teams on what they're supposed to be doing to handle the COVID situations in terms of everyday practicing, training, travel, games. And if somebody tests positive or been exposed, they only made the schedule, the first half of the schedule, and the plans of that if they had to cancel some games, then they got to make up those games before they proceed with the remaining schedule of the season. And then same thing goes with the playoff schedule. And they'll probably will do a playoff system in the bubble. Bubble worked. Like Ann just said, it worked. It kept the players safe. People watched the games. They were competitive games. Yeah. Some seemed better in the bubble than they do look right now. Yeah. So it worked in that sense. So I think if they have to do the playoffs in the bubble, they'll do it. I think right now they're just trying to weather the storm and just roll with the punches as long as it's not a, a spike that they can't control. Exactly. I agree. I just hope, you know, towards the end of this week, this year comes back on track. I mean, we've seen it with the NFL. I think it was like week two or week three between those two weeks. It was like, it felt like it was an outbreak with just the NFL. It was, you know, a couple of Patriots players. Cam was one of them. Gilmore was one of them. It was like back to back. Moved a few games that was supposed to be on a Sunday and a Monday to like a later, the following week on like a Tuesday. So, but then after that, it died down. It was more like a case here, a case there. So I think similar things will happen with the NBA. Plus, the NBA adopted what the NFL was doing with the little wristbands, and they had that in the bubble, too. But I think they made it even more accurate with the new technology. So now they added those to the plays, I think, on Friday. So now they have that, too, where they're going to be scanning everywhere they go, every stop. It's like they had to do it in the bubble just so that way. Now, if you're positive, you're not even going to get that far into the arena. It's like, oh, nope, you're going to get it's like a halt. Stop right there, and then that can stop you from hitting the court. Go. So we'll see. Now, the COVID has been a part of the season, but that's something that we've known was going to be a part of the season from day one because they played with it in the bubble, and every sport has been going through it. But in more recent news, we've had the social justice issues of the Jacob Blake decision, and then we've had now the riot at the Capitol building that people have been talking about, and it's made a lot of news because of the choice of Kyrie Irving at this point in time to not play. Now, we don't know 100% confirmed if it's, he's not playing in the form of a protest to the events that occurred, but most people have speculated that has been his choice and decision. Some people have talked about if he handled communicating with the team the correct way, is he making the right decision by not playing? So I'll reflect that topic and start off with y'all and hear what y'all thoughts are on one the political aspects of the situation, political and social aspects of it, of us all being uh, minorities, African-American or Hispanic, and then Kyrie's decision to either protest or whatever we're calling that exactly. All right, so you go first. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> oh, I right, literally has something to say. Well, I definitely, I'm one of the people that, that believes that rumor with, uh, with Kyrie that I definitely think that it has to do with, the, with everything that's going on, that he just wanted to take a break, as you know. He's really vocal about that. He's really vocal about, you know, I'm willing to put basketball to the side to, you know, if my voice will be heard and my voice can help make change, just like a Jalen Brown or even it seems like Tatum's starting to be more vocal too, like a LeBron. LeBron hasn't gone to the same extent as Kyrie, but Kyrie's been more than vocal about I'll put basketball to the side to help these social justice issues, you know, get resolved or start taking steps into the right places. And as a black man in America, like we know damn well that if it was anybody of color trying to do anything like that, that would have went south two minutes into that. The fact that there's videos of security waving people in, the fact that out here, um, 
people are literally looking at photos and like, oh, one of these famous, one of the breakfast, famous breakfast bar in Worcester, one of the owners were was out there in DC. So now people are like, we're boycotting that restaurant. And now he's backtracking. <laughs> oh no, I, I wasn't out there for that. I just happened to be. And it's just like, we don't want to hear that, man. Like it's, it's all funny games. So they got caught on camera. It's all funny games. So a couple of days later, they're starting to be wanted by the FBI and all of a sudden all of their social media is being banned. And now it's like, oh no, typical, you know, I guess you can call it white privilege. Now they want to play victim. And then see if it can get them out of, you know, get them to jail free card like it's Monopoly or something. So we know how that goes. LeBron said it great when he wore that T-shirt uh, after the game, pre-game, and then in the interview. Like, do you understand now? This isn't. This is what we've been trying to tell you guys all summer. Not even just for years. Like, if anything that we do, a white person does, they get by. We don't. <laughs> like, and that's this is like Exhibit A. It's honestly. A good way and a bad way to start 2021, but it just proves our point. So hopefully this can literally open like a lot of people's eyes. The president change coming in about a week and a half that hopefully that can help change things. But a lot of people are bold out here, man. So all I, when I wake up and what I say to my family, what I say to my friends all the time, stay safe. Yo. You never know what you're going to walk, walk in. So I was in the store uh, yesterday shopping for my little one and my family and i could tell this was a pro-trump supporter walking through the grocery store no mask mask down runny nose just like just waiting for somebody to say something they were just ready to go you know what i mean and it's just like you just gotta give them like that stank face like you gotta be kidding me bro so it just sucks but it's deeper than just that that's just the tip of the iceberg man it's so much deeper but Kyrie's really sitting out because of that then do you think Kyrie is cooking up something? And if it is because of that, it will come to light eventually. And if it's not because of that, then whatever it is will come to light eventually. We just got to, you know, play the waiting game with that. I'm not going to go into detail uh, on the topic because it's just of time. But if Kyrie Irving is missing games due to the events that happened last week, then I 100% support him. It, you know, what happened last week, you know, especially at, you know, at the Capitol, it, it was disgusting. It was absolutely words to describe what happened is disgusting, atrocious. Like I would, you know, again, I'm not African American, so I I don't know how truly, you know, I, I can get a sense of how they truly feel, but it, it's just it's just the time that that all this bullshit Trump supporters and all that needs to stop. It, it, it honestly needs to end. I'm over it. I just don't, you know, it's easier said than done, you know, for me to say, oh, why don't we just, you know night come together but obviously that you know that's not gonna happen but you know regarding going back to you know Kyrie uh Irving the reason why I said if that's the reason then I support him but just a week or two ago he was talking about uh, there was a little bit of drama between him and the media so that's why I was just like I don't know if I take him serious but if he, if he's truly serious about this then I support him 100% and any player who feel like they should take some time off to, you know, to reset and to, you know, you know, just, I guess, take some time off I'm for it as well. Like, I support them if they, you know, take some time to, you know, be with family and, and process everything. Get you. I get the both of you are saying. I understand 100%. It's a sensitive topic, like Soto said. For me, personally, because I, I coach youth basketball, so I have young kids. Majority of the kids that I coach are African American. So it's something that they're growing up with real time. And before Trump was elected four years ago, some of them were in the sixth grade. 
And I said to them, I said, be prepared for that the world is going to change when he becomes president. Because his whole campaign was built on pretty much racism. He was talking about building a wall to keep out Mexicans. He wanted to ban Muslims traveling into America. So he was talking, make America great again. So a lot of his stuff that he was building up on was towards this. And even that situation that happened, he escalated it because he's been saying the whole time, even before he officially lost the election, that he was going to fight if he lost and that he didn't want his supporters to accept if he lost, that he wanted them to fight it. So they just literally took his words and ran with it. So it's like, okay, you said fight it. Oh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go down D.C., you're going to mob out and we're going to fight this. So their response to the police is just, and the security guards there, they just kind of felt like, all right, there's a bunch of white people coming down here rioting. If we hurt one of them, we know this is not going to end well for us because society is not going to view us hurting them like if we hurt somebody else. They're not going to have those excuses. Like if somebody African-American or Hispanic or Middle Eastern or Asian, if they commit a crime, we start digging in their past and go find they got a parking ticket one day and we say oh he's a criminal because he got a speeding ticket on the parkway but that's the type of things that we do we have to paint them as a criminal i remember, as a coach like i said as a coach i remember when trevon martin was killed when he rest in peace there were aau coaches walking around saying i tell my kids don't wear hoodies because people are afraid of you because you got a hoodie i'm like a hoodie is a piece of clothes so now we're going to tell teenage boys not to wear a hoodie because we're concerned about how people are going to view them because they got a hoodie on. So this is one of those things where as athletes, especially they have gone through it before of having a stereotype of being an African-American athlete. Sometimes even as far as going to school, kid goes to a, a Catholic school or prep school or even a university, people think he's just there because they're good at a sport, not because they're good students as well. So Kyrie has always been one of those guys that he always – presents himself as more than just a basketball player. He tries to constantly show a side of his intellectual ability and his education that he can speak on and use his voice for things. The only time sometimes I critique Kyrie when he doesn't say those things to us, as in your, your supporter. Yes, you can decide to protest, but can you tell us that's what you do? Can you tell the Nets that's what you're doing? Because I'd much rather have Steve Nash when he missed those first games to have said, I've spoken to Kyrie. Kyrie has said that due to the events that occurred in Washington, D.C., he's protesting. But when your coach comes out and says, I ain't spoken to him, then it makes your fight look like, is that really what he's doing? Like, I was listening to the radio the other day, and somebody called up and said, yeah, he had the crib playing Xbox. Like, you got stuff that like that comes out because nobody's heard from you. So they're just guessing, like, okay, yeah, I think that's what he's doing. So... If he chose to do like Soto, I'm hoping that truly that's what he did. Right, and that's and that's why I said if. Yeah. I'd like to have said that. Like just say it. Like just come I know you don't like the media, the media's pawns and all that stuff you said. I get that part. But it's like at least say to you at least to the, the community of which you represent, the minority community in this country that are looking at you and saying, Okay, I respect what he's doing, I'm getting by that. So if we know, okay, that's what he's doing, then we're gonna rock with you. Because to me, the problem is right now, the topic isn't in New York, Kyrie's protesting. It's Kyrie don't miss another game. And that's what the headline is becoming. Now, like ESPN, they're not saying, oh, Kyrie protested. They're saying, oh, he's missing his fourth straight game. Right. That's what it's becoming. So the thing that he fought in the beginning of the season, that I don't want the media to create my narrative, right now he's letting the media create his narrative. 
Yeah, hundred and ten percent. And that's why we're all with the capital if with like with Soto statement. It's just like, bro, and that is draining, bro. It's draining like I'm a fan of Kyrie. And it's just like even before he hit Boston, it was like just back in Duke days, even high school. It's just like, bro, on the court, unstoppable. Very crafty. Master the craft, like you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, bro, like it's becoming a trend. It's been a trend for about over a year now. Like every couple months, it's something weird. Boom. It's like, bro, are you doing this shit for attention? It, it, it comes to the point, like, are you doing this for attention? It's just a cry for help. Like, I don't want to put it over like that line, but it's borderline getting there to what Antonio Brown went through a year ago. Like, bro, stop, stop being dramatic out, like, outside of the sports you play for headlines, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's just to a point where it's like, Harry, like, it's just stupid, bro. It's like, you already have that, that dot on your back. Like, so not that he got to kiss anybody's ass. I get it. But it's just like, just move differently, bro. Like, you, no matter if you hate the press and you love basketball, you love, the people you compete against and the people you compete with, you love your team, all that stuff, but you just hate the other stuff, okay. But that comes with it, and you knew that since you was a little kid, and that's, that was your dream. Everybody knows that. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like communication is something that's key. You have to do it. If you don't want to do it with the media, like we all said, wipe our hands with it. Cool. It is what it is. The media is going to find out eventually, and then the truth will come to light. But you got to contact your coach, bro. First-time coach. Your best friend probably helped recruit that guy because he helped train him a lot of off seasons, as in KD with Steve Nash, their buddy, buddy. And it's just like, it looks horrible. Like, so it'll, like you said, nah, I ain't talked to that man. And that's your point guard. Not to mention Spencer Dibberley's out. KD was out still. It was a day, it was a game before KD came back. And then KD comes back. He looks good, but then they still lose. And now the headlines is still no Kyrie. Oh, comma, the Nets are four and three when KD plays. So now it was like, now you low-key putting pressure on your homie, too, because now it's just like, you get what I'm saying? Coming off the Achilles injury, it's just like, it's just, it's just not look. It's just not a good look. It's not a good look. And I'm going to take like, pieces from what you both just said. Yeah. He's, he's really going through an episode, and he's just being really petty about it. He could have definitely told Nash, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going to play due to this. And Nash could have made a statement. And that just takes the media away from you. But now, you know, Kyrie misses his fourth straight game. That's the headline right now. And the media is just slowly focusing on, on Brooklyn and putting more pressure, not on the coach, on the teammates, especially Durant. Because now Durant has to, like, pick up the load for that team. Yeah. It's just, he's just being really, really petty, to be honest with you. Yeah, but again, I'm going to just, you know, I'm not going to go on a limb and just start throwing knives at his back or coming at him crazy. I'm going to wait until the truth comes out, whatever, yeah, because that's, last that's time this happened on Boston, we found out months later, I think it was during that offseason that when he, when he switched up and started talking crazy and like, you know, pointing fingers after losses and disappeared for a week, it was because of death in the family. I think it was his grandfather. Right. But so, it's, it's, but it's also what you family. just said, though. Like recently, it's like every other month there's something new with Kyrie, with Kyrie. that we don't know what it truly is until like, like yeah. sometimes we do end up knowing, sometimes we don't. So exactly, like, and like Keem said, 
if you're a Kyrie fan, you know, for the most part, he really is a mute guy. Like he really keeps things to himself. But at the same time, it's like, is it possible to be mute and unmute at the same time? That's, that's what it feels like. Cause these episodes happen. He's not mute. He gives you just enough to make you, you know, your head go crazy, your imagination run wild and for it to be headlines for two weeks straight. I mean, and then throws you back I'm, in and goes, I'm, nah, I'm calm. Sure. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure a person up here, you don't get to this point that you are. You're at that type of point when you're making that type of money. You, you got a publicist. You got a PR person. They got access to your social media account. Somebody from his public relations team. I don't care if it's from the Nets. I don't care if it's probably personal. Somebody could take this man's Twitter account. They could take this man's Instagram account. Something. He could write up a letter and they could post it on his social media page of why he's not playing right now. We don't need to know particular. But if you just put, I'm going through something mentally or personally, put that on social media, then the media will stop making these assumptions for you of why you're not playing, which drives him crazy anyway. He don't like media speaking. So it's like, don't let them speak for you. Because in New York, you're playing in New York now. It's a big city. It's a media frenzy. They're going to take any bit of information they get. And they're going to run. Somebody said he didn't play because he didn't feel like playing. New York media took that headline and ran with it. It was like, oh, that's what headline. Kyrie said he not playing today. And that's Max, Max, bro, bro. An hour after that came out, they were, an hour after that came out on social media was, oh, Kyrie said he didn't play today because he doesn't want to play. You see, like, just quick, just quick. And it's just like, bro, at some point, that's going to start taking your legacy, bro. Like, <laughs> like, just sum it up and then then a couple of days later it turns to personal reasons and then now you start thinking could it be a death or you know something like that so we'll see maybe we won't but yeah I, like I, I just hope there's no more like I hope this whole this whole thing clarifies it just almost seems like there's always drama surrounding Kyrie so I, if he's going through something mentally you know I, I hope he, you know he gets through it He's not a perfect comparison. Not a perfect <laughs> comparison, Lord, but he's, in a sense, he's got that misunderstood demeanor, kind of like Dennis Rodman had throughout his career. Like, the way Kyrie's career is shaping up, he's going to have a 30 for 30 documentary one day just to talk about. He's very eccentric. So because he's like that, he, he has moments like this. But because Ant mentioned legacy, I think that is a nice transition to our next topic. Because he is one of those players that does have a great legacy on the court right now. He, he's one of the better point guards in the history of the game. The off-court stuff just makes him Kyrie Irving. You want to be Kyrie Irving without the stuff that happens off the court. So I'm going to transition us now into our greatest of all times conversation. It's been happening a lot lately, mostly because Shaq has had his fun right now trolling Rudy Gobert. Because he is not a fan of that man's $200 million contract that he just signed averaging 11 points per game. He is not a fan of that. And also Curry talk. People have that debate. Is Curry the greatest shooter in history of the game? Things of that nature. With that said, we're going to go over our top five. I said make your starting five all times. And then I also said your greatest playmaker, greatest shooter, greatest defender. So who wants to start that one off? I, I think we should all go around in a circle. We'll do point guards and we'll do shooting guards. And then we'll go... So, um, point guard, I was torn, I was torn between two people. I'm not going to say the second name because he might end up coming up as one of my, someone I view as the best playmaker. But, uh, for me, just off his legacy, 
the way he changed the game. The person I grew up watching, uh, Allen Iverson. That's that's my bro. He was a game changer. Like nothing against Magic Johnson, nothing against a uh, Steve Nash, the Jason Kids, nothing, nothing against any. Wait, you say he's the best what? Point guard. Point guard. Okay. Yes. Yes. Point okay. guard. Not only because of you know what he did on the court for his, he was undersized. They might have said he was six one, but we all know really he was probably like five ten, undersized, skinny. But he had heart, bro, and he just changed the game with his style, bringing hip hop into the NBA. Like you just got to look at the way he really changed, like that whole two thousands era, man. It was crazy. Like he really started a trend on and off the court, but. For me, give me AI, man, because he's ready to go to war. It don't matter if you got Ben Simmons on the other side of the court, who's six seven, six eight can handle the ball. AI's gonna go at him. Six nine can handle the ball. He's gonna go at him. And let's be real, he got Jordan with the crossover, bro. Who's he not gonna get with that crossover that they still to this day would not call a carry? <laughs> like so, with those long arms on that boy, he was different. So give me AI. That's that's my point guard. So whoever's next, go ahead. So you said you're going with Bubba Chuck? I'm going with Bubba Chuck. That was a great documentary, too, that they did on Showtime. Fire. Fire. Very good. Very good one. Derek Rose actually has a documentary, too. That's really good. That was called, but I've seen it before. Very good. But I'm going to stick with the undersized guards. Since you said undersized guards, I'm going to stick with the undersized guards. But I'm going to start. I'm going to mm-hmm. the OG. I'm going to stick with the OG of undersized guards. I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. I'm, 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 I'm going to go with Zeke. Now, I'm going to I'm going to go with Zeke because he's the birth of the small guard on his career. Average 19 points a game, nine assists, and about 1.5, 46% on the field. He wasn't a great three-point shooter. And he shot 75 from the free throw. He was mostly a mid-range guy, pick-and-roll guy, get to the basket off the dribble. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. But the reason why I said he's one of my favorite point guards is because if you're going towards modern day point guards, there are not too many pass first point guards in today's game. Most point guards have a score first mentality, pass second. So I gotta use somebody who, if we didn't have him be a superstar caliber player in the league, we wouldn't be as open to the idea of score first guards. So I feel like a guy like Isaiah Thomas opened the doors to guys like Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Kyrie Irving, Curry's of the world. Damian Lillard, because you have a guy that he has the ball in his hand, and you didn't put it in his hand to get an assist. You like, I right, give me a bucket. And that's what he did best, and he also could pass. Guy averaging twenty points and nine assists. That's you can't really complain about that. So that's why I went with him. And then him and Joe Dumas are arguably one of the best backcourts in the history of the game. So I mean, what else can you not like? Yeah, it? Gave, gave Jordan a lot of trouble. Gave gave the eighties, the eighties wreck. They caused wreck in the eighties. Austin, Lakers, they, they cause for a lot of people. <laughs> so I had several options for who I wanted at point guard as the best. But from what I've seen with these pretty two eyes that I have, I'm gonna go with Steph Curry. And and that's just now. Like you know, a lot of people could I know a lot of people right now could say Magic, Isaiah, Stockton. Ultimately Curry will become the best point guard of all time. And along with that, he's the best shooter I've seen of all, you know, all time. You know, multiple time champion, three time champion. Change, I, I believe Curry changed the way the game is played today. Um, with these almost like 
half court shots and you know damn near logo shots. Two time MVP, and he took a small market team, Golden State Warriors, to what three? Some people in San Francisco would take disrespect that you called them a small market. Back then, Golden State, Golden State was a small market team. That's, that's the Silicon Valley. They might take offense to that. They was a small market team, and he just changed that franchise completely and became their franchise star. So, you know, again, being a two-time MVP, three championships, obviously, you know, playing alongside KD and then Clay and Draymond, you know, the help is there. But just the way he is as a shooter, as a player, even at, you know, playmaking, I have Curry as the top All right, so I guess I'll start off with the shooting guard. By the way, for those who wanted to know, just in case I need Soto shouted out some stats, Keem shouted out some stats. Uh, AI stats was uh, the average 26 career stats, average 26 a game, shot over 40%, four rebounds, six assists. Just throwing that out there. AI has some stats, but I feel like that gets overlooked a lot because, like I mentioned, a lot of people look at how he changed the game outside of like on the court too. Uh shooting guard, I mean, it's honestly two to three that I feel like a lot of people go with. But if you really ain't gonna main name this guy as your top shooting guard, then it's like it's crazy. Like, you know I'm going with MJ. Like it's clear cut MJ's the greatest shooting guard of all time, bro. Like look at the accolades is like crazy, bro. Six time NBA champion. Six time NBA finals MVP. Five five MVPs in general. 14 all-star appearances, you feel me? Three, three-time all-star MVP, 10-time NBA first team. I can go on, but the resume is like this. It's crazy. We know that. We all know about the Bulls in the 90s and how they ran the 90s and just in general, just like the hard work, bro. Like we brought up Dumars and Thomas and how they really beat up the Bulls and beat him up, literally beat him up because the 80s, the clothesline was legal. So they was beating him up. And instead of doing what people do now and flopping, throwing the head back and all that, off season called up the trainer and was like, "Bro, I want to put on weight. I want to put on muscle." And that's what he did. And then he started jumping over y'all. So it's like, "Oh, you want to close on me? I'm gonna just jump over you, or I'm a, you know, acrobat and go around you." This like he changed the game. He showed people how to really milk the endorsement money and like put Nike on the map. Also, another person who brought hip hop and with Spike Lee in the commercials. Mars Blackman. Yep, all that, bro. Just the fear he put in a lot of people's heart, or not even he put fear in even in his, in his teammates' hearts too. Fear he put in people's heart, or also the, just the competitiveness he brought to people too. People knew when they had the Bulls on the schedule, we had to bring the best of us. He made New York players look great sometimes because they really played out of body sometimes because they knew he was playing Jordan in the Bulls. It was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta. Normally I play like this, now I gotta play like this today. And everybody wanted to be like Mike. Everybody wanted to beat Mike. Okay. Man. I want to be. I want to be. Like, <laughs> that's that. So how could you not go with that, man? Yo, y'all know what it is. Jordan all day. I'm my two guard. Greatest all time. He went Jordan. I mean, I know enough about Jordan. My dad's a Knicks fan. The 90s. <laughs> the 90s Knicks. So I know enough about Michael Jordan. I can go get pictures of me when I was a little kid. I had a little Nick gear on. He was trying to make me a Knicks fan. And I seen Jordan, you know, like, I like Jordan. So I got the Michael Jordan posters, all of that. My, one of my favorite movies as a little kid was Space Jam. I watched the cassette tape so many times, the VHS tape so many times, I broke it. And my parents had to buy me another one. That's how many times I watched that movie. Right. But it's not 
I didn't put him as my favorite. Show, I feel like that's a Chico. I feel like everybody can put that as their favorite. And if you were my Jordan, the person that got me wanting to play basketball when I first started really understanding. I know where this is going. Not a little guy <laughs> that was wearing a diaper, pooping on himself, like for when I could really sit down and understand the game of basketball. My Jordan is Kobe. That's why I did this, boy. Yeah. That's why I went Jordan because I knew you was going to go Kobe. I I'm not sure about Soto. I, Soto be, he be doing curveball, so I don't know. We're going to see. But like, I knew. I already knew where you was going to go. That's why I said it really is really a toss up with them too. Like it's really a toss up because Kobe's resume is like this too. And it's crazy. And it's like, I know they use a soccer analogy, but people, when they say greatest soccer player right now, they even say Cristiano Ronaldo, they say Lionel Messi. And the difference is, is most people say Messi is naturally talented. Like from the first time he stepped on the soccer field, he was good. He was that good. People knew he was that good. Cristiano Ronaldo had to work to be that good. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's like when you saw Jordan play in high school in North Carolina, people knew he was going to be special. It's like when people went, my dad went to Shaw University, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina. So he has, knows firsthand. When people were talking about Michael Jordan, they knew he was going to be that good from the first time he stepped on North Carolina basketball court. I was like, this kid is going to be special. Kobe didn't come into the league with that same buzz like he came in like okay he's a young kid he's athletic but nobody knew he was going to turn himself into the greatest player of all time until you realized his work ethic and his motor that he had to be that great so, and his footwork bro his footwork was crazy and the funny you brought up soccer not to cut you off again but also because that was a sport that he was like very into highly into we know he spent some time in i believe what was it italy right somewhere overseas for a little bit when he was young yeah. so that goes spoke many languages and that's what he hooked to him and i heard that story when he said he was eight years old he dropped 60 points and he didn't go left the next game he worked with his right hand tied behind his back i was like that's different that's yeah. the mindset right there and that's a work ethic the mama mentality that work ethic that you gotta have to be great it ain't for everybody on the court it's not it's not a faint of heart but if you're willing to put in that type of time to your craft you can reap the benefits of it for real. Big facts. What you got for us? So don't talk to us. All right, shooting line. I'm thinking one guy. Tyler here. No, no, let me stop. No, no, let me stop. No, so I'm going with the goat. I'm going with Jordan, and I'm going like I'm going with Jordan because not not because of his skill set, not because of everything he contributed on the court. It's just his mentality. His his eagerness to win, right? That's where Kobe and got it from. Yeah. exactly, that's where Kobe got it from. And Jordan was a winner, and on the court, he was just an assassin. When when the game needed to be over, when there was a clutch bucket that is needed to be made, I wanted it in that guy's hands. Yeah, um, there, you know, there, there's some things he does. I I look at it, I'm just like, bro, that's crazy. Right, and then you know <laughs> when a lot of people, you know, when they think of Jordan, they think, oh yeah, he's you know, one of the best scores. But overall, he was one of the best overall players because he was a nine-time, like, I, I think he was on the uh, all-defensive, all yeah, the all-defensive team nine times. Yeah, nine so times. That, I, I, I was going to say that. I, I would have spent an hour talking about his accolades, man. It's crazy. Yeah, no, and, and, and you guys, no, and you basically said, you know, everything I was going to say. It's just, uh, oh, and by the way, that one year or whatever where he retired, he would have won another chip. That's big facts. That's big facts. 
Some people said the same thing about Kobe. If him and Shaq would have got along, they could have had eight themselves too. Right. For sure. I mean, so, it's so tough to me. That's it. Jordan. That's it. And and Soto, that's that's what made me go with but Jordan I, for King because right. watching documentaries, many documentaries on Kobe, or just hearing Kobe talk about his passion for the game. He says he mastered Jordan. Right. And it shows. You could literally do a clip of Jordan and a clip of Kobe yeah, doing and, that same 17 foot fadeaway shot. And that footwork's identical, bro. And I don't fault you for picking Kobe. <laughs> and they both. Oh, not at all. Not at all. That from the first goal shooting guard, which was Oscar Robinson. That's where they got that shot from. For sure. For sure. For sure. You got a mag to know that. Not, not taking anything from anybody before them at all. And I, that's another thing. I feel like. People that played in the seventies don't get enough respect because everybody's literally stuck on the eighties and nineties. And then anybody who's just hitting twenty now stuck on tens. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's crazy. Um but going off what Soto said, his work ethic, bro, like for for us to say that he was a nine time and for people to come out and say he don't play defense or he's a one way play, that's what made him do that. That's the type of like drill, like hard work that this guy had. It was like, bro, oh yeah, he paid hit into the credits on purpose and would use that as fuel. He, he was tapped in the head, bro. Like he would use this podcast as fuel because we, we would say, Kobe's close to you, bro. And he would want to go drop 20 pounds and go back into the NBA and go show people, all right, let me show you I got in that. It's just, it's mental. And Kobe had the same thing, bro. So for people to, I forget exactly what year it was, to say that he was a one-way player and that he wouldn't play defense, he made it. Him and Pippa will argue about who's going to guard the best player on that team. When they see rookies who are supposed to be hyped up, they would put them to the torture chamber <laughs> and make rookies want to go home and cry. So am I really built for this? It, it was crazy. Like, like what we heard they did to Tony Kukoc was crazy, bro. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, like, when you think of Jordan, it's like, it, it's crazy how he retired, right, at 34. And, which I still consider, he was still at his peak. Retired for three years, comes back, you know, joins Washington. He was averaging 22, 20, at age 38, 39. Like, it, this is crazy to me. But, as much as it may pain all three of us, we're going to have to move on to the three spot and talk about somebody else. As much as it pains us right now, talking about Jordan and Kobe, we have that debate any, all day, every day. But they're both great players. So I know Anthony going first, so I'll keep it with Ann going first. Who's your, your favorite three of all time, most small forward of all time? KD? See, it's funny you say that because I, I want to shout out KD and let him know, you know, they're my homie, with all due respect, but I mean, come on, man. I'm not, I'm not dumb. KD's my guy, but I'm going with LeBron. That LeBron is the goat of this era. KD, it's like a 1A, 1B thing for me. Like, I'm, I'm not going to take anything from LeBron. Who would I, who do I like prefer? I prefer a KD. Cause I still feel like until the past maybe like three to four years, LeBron really did shy away. And that people were on his ass about that for years about shying away from free throws, which for some reason I feel like even though he's getting older, he's not, he's getting worse at free throws. But anyways, he might have something to say about that. But yeah, so it's just like KD from, from day one when he was with the Sonics, he, he always went on the attack mode. He always was ready to take that bucket. He always wanted that, and it's something with that D.C., Maryland area, man. The, they breed different ballers. Shout out to KD, man. You're definitely my favorite player. But 
if we gonna go greats, I gotta go with LeBron. His resume is like this right now. He's not even done, bro. And Soto's talking about MJ retiring at what age? Mid thirties, bro. And LeBron probably not gonna retire until he's in his forties. And I think that rumor that we think is gonna happen of him playing with his kid. He's waiting. He's waiting for Bronny Jr. to get drafted so that way he could do that one year with Bronny and then boom, he's done. He's going to legit pass the torch. Like the NBA is going to be like, oh, Bronny's retiring. We get on break. Nah, Bronny's retiring and then it's Bronny Jr. Like it's crazy, bro. And I mess with that, bro. Me having a little one, I mess with that. I rock with that. But LeBron's just like a point forward, bro. We really could have said LeBron for the one, two, or three, or the four, or the five. Like he legit game changer freaking just a big boy like a big body also great i won't say great on ball defender but good and great in the passing lanes like get his iq and him just knowing what that team's gonna do before they even do it is great the, the way he makes again the, the players around him look good just look at the team he took to the finals in cleveland versus first look at that horrible team he took like you know what i mean like the way he took over in that series versus Detroit, I mean, a lot of people hate how he went to Miami and then all that. But then after that Miami era was over, I feel like he became more ignorant. He went back to Cleveland and was like, all right, first of all, I went to Cleveland. And now he's in L.A. just <laughs> literally, it's just his move. He's just shrugging everybody off. Like, yo, I'm, he, he's like, this is who I am now, bro. That's why I'm at my career. Like, y'all can't hold me. Y'all never would. Y'all couldn't before. Like, is wild. So shout out to that man. That's my that's my three. That's my small forward. Looking like LeBron James. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I almost say the same thing as LeBron. I mean, you really couldn't. Before LeBron, most people would have said it was like Bird. That's who it was before LeBron. Thought about, thought about Larry Legend. Definitely thought about him. Dude, that man was a bad man too. He's a bad man. But LeBron on his career, 27 points, 7 assists. 1.6 steals, 48% on the field, 34 from three, and 78 on the free throw line. So there goes your free throw struggles you was talking about there. But I feel like LeBron is underappreciated if that can make sense. Because there's so many people that criticize things that LeBron does that makes sense. NBA Finals, game five. He got four people on him. He throws it up top to wide open Danny Green, who shoots 50% in the finals. And people was like, he should have shot the ball. He should have shot it over the whole Miami Heat. What do you want from this man? But that's always been how he's played. When J.R. Smith was with Cleveland, he said that. He said, this is what he does all season. Kevin Love talked about it. He asked his teammates, where do you want me to pass you the ball? You want a bounce pass? You want a chest pass? You want a high? You want a low? You want it to your shooting hand? He asked those type of questions. Because he trusts his teammates. Phil Jackson talked about it a lot, how early in Jordan's career and early in Kobe's careers, he had to get them to understand to trust your teammates. Yeah, y'all are great scorers. Yeah, y'all can go get your buckets. But you got to trust that your teammates can make open shots and they can make big plays too. LeBron has been like that since high school. He's been a guy that he's always trusts his teammates. And I think to me, that's his greatest greatness. Like Ant said about taking not so good players and can carry them to the finals, I think that's been what he's been good at. He resurrects people's careers. You look at with the Miami Heat, he had freaking Ray Allen and Battier and Mario Chalmers out there looking like they was first ballot Hall of Famers. And then the Lakers now, it's not just what he does for Anthony Davis. He, he helps 
Kuzma looked good. You know, Rondo looked better when he did. He got Rondo a bigger contract this offseason because how well he played. Nick Tacy P looked good. All those other role players on the Lakers that LeBron helps look better and make the game easier for him. I think that's his biggest, that's what makes him so great. Uh, out of all the great players we were going to talk about, is his ability to make his teammates better. Facts. I, I agree 100%. Again, I'm interested in what Soto got to say because I feel like somewhere along these next three positions, there's going to be a curveball, so I'm waiting. It's going to be a rut row. <laughs> so, what is it? Small forward, right? Small yeah. Forward. Yeah, I said Jared Dilly. That's the real piece at Kawhi. You going with Kawhi? No, 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 no. I mm. did disrespect the king. Um, yeah, I, I'm going with, with LeBron. It's, you can't ignore everything that he's accomplished. You just can't. And when you look at LeBron's game, you could barely pick out a flaw. Uh, he just makes every, he just makes everyone better, and he looks out for the whole team. That's what's so great about LeBron. And and I know you mentioned him being a point forward. I think he's the ultimate point forward. I think currently this season, I believe he's leading the NBA in assists, or he's like top three. I think he's second because Jokic got that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jokic, yeah. He's at, right, right. But, you know, just everything with, you know, him being the champion, all those straight years going to, you know, the finals, um, you know, despite whatever his, you know, finals record is, which is four and six, but just the fact that you're taking, what is it? It's four and six, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, four and six. Just, no, just the fact that, you know, you take, all these teams, it's not easy to go to the finals. For me, the only thing I I'm gonna criticize LeBron one thing. I just didn't like the way he left Cleveland that first first time announcing that he was going to Miami. But Steve like I was going to the Knicks. That's why Stephen Smith sources lot to y'all. <laughs> I honestly thought he was going to the Knicks, but that's for another that's for another conversation. But he's just the ultimate player. He's the ultimate teammate that you want to have. Just with his aggressiveness, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, from year one to his current, he's averaged more than 20 points per game. So that's 18 straight seasons averaging 20 plus. It's it's just like he's had an incredible career, you know, offensively, defensively. You know, alongside like Jordan and I think Kobe, like one of the most complete players that we've ever seen. You know, always enjoyable, you know, to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's why they call him the king for some reason, so. So now we're moving on to power forwards. The big man. Everybody likes the guards nowadays. Guard on into game, but we got to show some bigs and luck. So now we're up to the power forward. Power forwards. Uh, see, this is this is where I got stuck, because it's like, you know, could you just put anybody at the power? There's people who are centers that power forward slash centers, center slash power. You know what I mean? Like, it gets crazy. But, all jokes aside, Soto would kill me if I didn't pick this guy powerful. Right, right. Tim Duncan, uh, he's underappreciated. Uh, I feel like he learned a lot from from Robinson. He was, you know, a rookie with the Spurs and stuff. I think it was like his first few years with the Spurs, and then after that, he took the team over. I mean, definitely showed the world how to use the backboard <laughs> with his little 15 foot backboard shot. I mean. You can even say he was clutch at times, but he really was. There was times they would really go to him for that game winning bucket, game time shot. Similar to what LeBron's done to people, what Jordan's done to people. That Spurs team, him and Pop, like, they're up there. And I feel like, again, it goes under the radar. They're up there with the Belichick Brady topic or with the, with the Kobe and the freaking Phil or the Jordan and Phil. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, 
that combo was crazy and it's just not it's just not appreciated enough freaking he changed that position because he's really one of the first stretches think about it early on he started off in the post a lot and then each year would progress his game he always had that 15 foot but then it went from 15 foot to 17 to threes to and it's just like man just because that guy don't get the respect he deserves i I got you tim duncan even though i know soto loves you but i got you tim duncan bro you are by far the greatest power forward in my eyes and then it goes to my guy kg but that's the top tim duncan got that (laughs) not not even because of that KG was different, but yeah. I, I, was, I noticed I, movie you, I, I noticed you said the first stretch four. I noticed you said one that. of them. Yeah, yeah. I can't. You can't disrespect. You know what I mean, James Worthy, and I'll call him alone like that because they would beg to differ about them being the first stretch fours. They would beg to differ on. Yeah, you right. You right. You got a point there. Even Moses Malone might yeah, want to yeah, challenge yeah, you on that. Yeah, yeah, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about ten. Duncan, which is why <laughs> that was music for some years, bro. Respect out here. Disrespect. So, so who's King going with? Disrespect. Who's mine? My great quarter of all time. Why you even gotta ask that question? So don't even know who I'm picking. I'm going with that Can man. Davis? Yeah, I'm going with that man, Andrea Bagliani, when he was playing with the New York Knicks. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That goat yeah, right the there. Goat right there. Stop it. Him out. I'm, I'm gonna go with. I can even go with Chris Bosh. You know what I mean? Wasn't Jared Dudley playing the four with the Nets when he was in the playoffs against the 76ers? That man was hooping. Hooping. <laughs> tweaking. Yeah, y'all just excuse this, man. He stopped for Soto. Soto, look, he's about to fight me through his screen. But yeah, I'm gonna say too much. Wow, we got a clean sweep on the power forward position. Okay. Because I can't say Kemmer Garnett. Because by the time I really started paying attention to Kevin Garnett, well, I was at the was end of his, on. his career when he was with the Boston Celtics. I'm a Laker fan. Fuck out of here with that Celtic. Get out of here with that. We not. We don't play like Celtics over here as the Laker fans. We don't do that. He stopped Kobe from having six rings. We ain't talking about that, man. So, yeah. but I would say Tim Duncan only because of the fact he plays in a small market in San Antonio Spurs. He doesn't play in a big market team. So he's one of the few players in the NBA that play in a small market that people know his name and know his career like that to that extent. Played for one of played for one of the best ran organizations in San Antonio Spurs, and so much about the Spurs culture was Tim Duncan, and he had the the transitions of his career. When he first came in, he was deferring to David Robinson. He was like, okay, this is still David Robinson's team. The offense runs through David Robinson. I get in what I fit in. And when David Robinson retired, it became his team. And as he started getting older, they brought in Tony Parker. He deferred a little bit to Tony Parker. Then he brought in Ginobili, he deferred a little Ginobili. bit. To and then when they brought in Kawhi, he said, I'm going to take the back seat. It's your team, big fella. I'm just here for the ride. He, you saw every part of his career of being a role player, the superstar, and then an aging superstar. And he handled all of them with class and was still an impactful player. Even at the end part of his career, he was up there in block leaders as a guy that could barely get off the ground, but he was still almost after two blocks a game in the playoffs. His stats get better in the playoffs, which not most superstar caliber players, you always see that, that their numbers go up in the playoffs. So that is something that he did very good. He'd go from averaging like 20 and 10 in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, he's averaging 25 and 10. So he was very good at that, and he was just a fun player to watch. I love watching the Lakers and the Spurs go at it in the regular season. Playoffs. That was one of my favorite matchups to see as a kid growing up, because that was a good rivalry. 
also because of the I respect Bruce Bowen's ability to try to play defense on Kobe. I said try and not many people can guard Kobe, but he made it hard for Kobe. And it was a nice little rivalry there. Also, the Spurs-Suns rivalry was nice to watch, too, because of seeing Tim Duncan and Mario Stoudemire go out. It was good to watch, too. I'm saying Tim Duncan. Mr. Fundamentals, as he goes by in the street. That was perfect. I don't have to even talk much. <laughs> That's the best part. Well, if you guys didn't know, Tim Duncan, obviously, is my favorite player of all time. <laughs> and the reason why is because he's just a winner. And he's always consistent. And one thing that I admired about him was that he wasn't one to showboat. So, you know, and he was always staying away from drama or any, like, you know. Like, he never made, you know, media, you know, any media headlines like that. And I respected his game. Like, in a way, you know, you know, for greatest power forward, you could also put, you know, Carmelo, you know, Garnett or even Dirk. But, you know, Tim Duncan, you know, two-time MVP, three-time finals MVP, 15 all-star. Like, you know, he did it all. And then he was a 15-time uh, all, you know, defensive selection. So, I just... Oh, yeah, so, so. Yeah, yo. Like, I'm speaking from the heart, yo. It's, he was the ultimate franchise player for the small market. So Tim is the greatest power for of all time. Of all time. Great on that. Can't really go wrong with Tim Duncan. Some honorable mentions, like I mean, we said, KG. I could have said a whole essay right now, but you know, I got to keep it short. We're on time. We're about saying uh, Kevin McHale, but I got to give him a nod to All right, Tim moving Duncan. on to center with your Kevin McHale. Nah, I'm just... Nah, nah, Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was... Uh, it was nice. It was Tim Duncan before Tim Duncan. He just personified it. Now we got to go with centers. You gotta go sinners. You gotta go to the sinners. It's a tougher spot. It's a tough, cause sinners don't get no love. They really don't. Sinners get overlooked. They don't. And honestly, sinners, sinners, yeah. I'll throw the name out there later, but sinners could be just like power forwards. There's, there's like two to three that you can move around. But I'm gonna go with Shaq. I'm gonna go with Shaq because. You going with Orlando Magic Shaq, Lakers Shaq, with Joe Shaq. Cavalier Shaq, Phoenix Sun Shaq. You got different eras of Shaq, so which one? Uh, you I'm, I'm, going with the Shaq. I'm going with the mix. I'm going with the Celtic <laughs> Shaq. Was, I'm going with the mix. Yeah, Lakers and Celtic Shaq. Facts. Nothing <laughs> Shaq. Nah, I'm going with a mix of Orlando Shaq hmm. with Lakers Shaq. Because young Shaq was really, like, OP, bro. Like, young Shaq, and I just was breaking the backboard every other game, whatever, not explosive. And he was still hefty. So to be that explosive and have all that weight, bro, and to find out he wasn't really working out like that, Kobe would be mad at him because he was eating cheeseburgers and crap before the game. Bro, now you got cover NBA players trying that, AKA Embiid, and look, it really does affect that guy. Like, he, he's not like what Shaq was. That's how you know Shaq was just different, bro. And it's just like, his resume is crazy too. Four time NBA champion, three time finals MVP, MVP once. He argues you should have had it twice. Rookie of the year, even in college for the NCAA and blocks and rebounds. Like, bro, he was just dominant from the beginning of his career, even, you know, in college or LSU. So it was like, how could you not go with him? Like, how could you not, like, yeah, dominant, bro? Just dominant. The only reason why I ain't go, I ain't go Shaq. I'll be honest, I ain't go Shaq. I was thinking about Shaq. But there's a lot of options to go with, so I didn't go shit. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh, Shaq, so I didn't think Shaq. And then he said he was dominating. Akeem Olajuwon may have something to say about that. He may have something to say. He may, he may say, go watch my tape, young fella. He may have to ask you to go back and watch when they played in that final series, how he was cooking Shaq. He might have a little something to say about that. But I ain't go Olajuwon either because I feel like he dominated, you know, that stretch when there was no Jordan. But when Jordan was in the league, Jordan overshadowed, you know, Olajuwon. So he didn't really get that greatness when he had to go up against Jordan. So that's why I didn't say Olajuwon. So I went with Kareem. Now, you may say I'm biased going with Kareem because I'm a Laker fan. And people may say that's biased. But, I mean, the hook shot, other than the hook shot, that unblockable cheat coach shot that people probably use it as a center in NBA 2K because it's broken in that too. He, his footwork and his athleticism is underrated. A lot of people don't think as Kareem as being agile, but he has some athleticism that let him block shots, let him grab rebounds on his career. Average 24 points a game, 11 rebounds, and 2.6 blocks. So he was more than just a scorer. He was also a decent passer, and he was the era of featuring centers as the main, the best player on your team. He did it with the Bucks, and then he did it with the Lakers during those years. And pretty much as a Laker fan, I understand that he set the pinnacle of having him and Magic Johnson, a great guard and a great center. That is the Lakers' recipe to winning championships. It always has been. It was Kareem and Magic, then it was Shaq and Kobe, then it was Kobe and Gasol, and that was LeBron and AD. That's always been their tandem, a great wing player with a great center. So I have to represent the fact that he created a culture that has led to the winning formula for the Los Angeles Lakers, him and Magic. So I didn't put Magic as my best point guard of all time, but I got to show love and have Kareem as the greatest center of all time. And who, who don't like a man that was in a movie with Bruce Lee? Come on. So, you know, with the greatest center, I went with, drumroll, please, drumroll, drumroll. Whatever I said about Tim Duncan, just slide that over to the center spot. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you did that. No, I'm not. <laughs> No, no, I went with, I went with Shaq. The reason why I went with Shaq because I went with a center that I truly saw that, you know, was, was just dominant in every aspect of the game. You know, I used to hate the Lakers when I was young. Cause it was like, it was always Shaq dominant. You know, Kobe and Shaq, but I just hated Shaq. And I was just like, damn, like, like, you know, grabbing every board, finishing around the paint. I was like, yo, he, is there he, like he, if, the centers look like babies, bro? The way he dominated. Them. I was like, yo, is there like somebody that can stop him? It, it just, you know, I I think, and I could be wrong, but I think he was the best center of his generation. I believe he was the last great center in NBA. And a lot of people could say, oh, where do you lose, like, you know, when, you know, in terms of when I say great center, like the last great center, nowadays we, we see stretches, stretch fives, and, but, you know, you could say that about Dwight, but Dwight kind of came after a couple of seasons. So I, I, I truly believe Shaq was the, the last great center. And just the, like, you know, the fact that his strength overwhelmed opponents. It was just like something you've never seen before. I believe he was like the most powerful force in the game. It's, you know, it's something that, you know, it was incredible to watch. And, you know, also he, he, he came out with, with uh, you said, um, Kareem with Bruce Whatever Lee. that movie was. He came out with Kazam. Kazam, yeah. Kazam. <laughs> and, 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 and he was rapping, but a lot of hoopers were rapping. 
but no, yeah. That's what you're going to hit. You didn't even say blue chips. You said Kazam. Yeah, I said Kazam. Kazam. I am. Kazam. I thought about the white. I'm not going to lie. I'm it's not the real heavy secret. on the what if factor. And it's just to this day, like, damn, Dwight, what if you really just stayed in Orlando? He might have really been the dominant center of all time. He lost hmm. his way after that. Yeah. Injuries, whatever, whatever. And he, started, he found his way back with the Lakers because they actually used him as they should. And then that was like, Philly's kind of yeah. using him that way too, but in really that go to. So that that's why I was like, eh, no, no, I'm not gonna like, say the white but his, his, his accolades right there, bro. His, yeah, he no, got no. some accolades, bro. He I, I would have said like White's a horse. You know, I, I would have said like I think like Dwight's like one of the last great centers, but it, it I in my opinion it's truly Shaq. But there there's um other options you could have gone you, you know, like Keen said, you could have gone with the dream. You could have gone with, you know, Karina Abdul Jabbar. You could have gone with I think that played part too. Like we did this with an older generation, they could have said they could have gone in that bag and said people like Bill. Right, I went with Shaq because yeah, I physically watched and, it on and, TV. And and that goes with what I'm saying. Yeah, that that that's what I'm saying. That that goes based off what I said earlier. Like a lot of people who played in the seventies don't get recognition anymore because everybody who's around now grew up watching late eighties, nineties ball or the two thousands ball. You know what I mean? So it's like, so then I get, they're getting recognition less and less. And the way we kind of look at like the 50s and 60s, for instance, my son's going to look at art over that way. Like, damn, the 80s and 90s were so long ago. Like, bro, you know what I mean? So it's like, so it sucks to say, but then when they get older, when these kids get older, low key, the players we're talking about, minus LeBron and recent players like an AD, a KD, a Steph, are going to slowly be getting forgotten because of people ahead, you know, people more current are going to be taking down their records. They're going to say people will and be all time. Like, Tim Duncan still don't even get mentioned like that, bro. And Tim Duncan ain't really retired that long ago, bro. Right. (laughs) No, no, like you just said, like, all these kids nowadays are going to mention, like, Embiid and, you know, Jokic and... All these kids nowadays aren't even true centers, honestly. Exactly. Those that I just mentioned are two centers, you know, they're, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. And I, and I, I wouldn't even mention Embiid unless he starts legit dominating when he started the season off and continues this season in the next five, six, seven, then okay, it would be, they'll throw you out there, but he right. falls off in between the seasons all the time, falls off in between the playoffs. Hustles. In the bubble, in the bubble, he dominated everybody. I'm not going to even lie. He had them numbers legit in the bubble, but. That's why I'm not really talking about Embiid either. Sometimes he just don't got it. So, it's tough. yeah. But it's like you said, it's really based upon you, what you've seen, who you've heard about, and the style of play that you have. So we did our all-time greatest starting fives. So now mm-hmm. we can get to really to your style of preference now if we're going over individual greats in terms of a skill set. So as I said before, we're going to do playmaker, scorer, Defender and shooters. So I'm gonna start it off with playmakers because we started off with point guards. Now your playmaker doesn't have to be a point guard. It doesn't have to be a point guard. It could be somebody that played a position where they got a lot of assists or had an impact on the game through their playmaking. So that doesn't have to be a point guard. So I'm telling, I'm saying that now, so you don't have to think when I say playmaker that means point guard. So who wants the honors of opening us up to greatest playmaker? I got you. I don't think he's the greatest playmaker. I mean, I'm going to be biased. I feel like 
for me, for you know all the years that I've been watching basketball, that the one that I feel is the greatest playmaker I think is Jason Kidd. And you know the reason why I chose Jason Kidd is because his basketball IQ was just on another level. And I, behind Tim Duncan, he was my second favorite player. So you know I back then in the early two thousands, you know while. Like, you know, obviously being a Spurs and a Knicks fan, I kept my eye on New Jersey because of Jason Kidd. And, you know, just the fact that he led that Nets team to back-to-back finals, obviously they couldn't get the job done. But just the little thing that he does and all the flashy passes he used to make, all the alleys to Kenny Martin or, or Richard Jefferson, and he would just always find the, the open man. And then, I, I you know, I was... Extremely happy when he finally won that chip with the Mavs in 2011. So, you know, you can't ignore the fact that he's second all time on the, you know, assist leader. And obviously, assists makes players better. So, uh, I'm going with Jason Kidd. I think I respect that choice. I was a, I watched Jason Kidd growing up, and that's, I witnessed them get destroyed by my Lakers, which you know. That's a topic of another discussion. But I can, the point, see, playmaker is the same thing, like I said before. It depends on who you grew up watching. Because you said flashy passes. If I had somebody in their 50s or 60s, they're going to say that's Bob Cousy. So that's the thing about it. When you talk about playmaking, it changes on errors. Some people, they, they you talk about passes, they may say Bob Cousy, they may say Christopher Makovich. Some people may say Magic Johnson. I don't say Magic Johnson because that's a Chico. I mean, Magic Johnson, we ain't really seen another Magic Johnson. LeBron is a playmaker, yes, but I don't think his playmaking is at the same level as Magic Johnson's was. So for me, I went with John Stockton. Yes, John Stockton obviously leads the league in all-time assists. He's second in most assists in the game at 28. Scott Siles holds the record at 30. But the reason why I said John Stockton is because he pretty much played with the same team his whole career. His partners in crime were basically Carl Malone, and then when they added Jeff Hornacek. So he pretty much had the same group of players that he played with and the same coach with Jerry Sloan. So he basically mastered that system that he was playing in, and he mastered at figuring out how to get the most out of my teammates. And I think for a traditional point guard sense, that ability to get your players the ball at the right time in the right spot every time. That's what made him so great. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan talked about that in the last dance documentary of how playing against them was so difficult because if you lost your man for a second, you turned to look, boom, a pass was there and your man is scoring because that's how good he was at facilitating the ball. So for me, just watching him play and how well, like Soto said with James Kidd with a high IQ, watching his IQ and how he played the game is why I picked Johnson. I, I don't fault you for, for picking that. Yeah, with when it comes to this part, when it comes to any of it, honestly, the all-time greats, like, there's really not, I don't look at it as a right or wrong answer. It's like, you know, what you're looking for with your own eyes and your opinion. Um, I'm going to go with Magic Johnson. I mean, come on, man. He he ran Showtime. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, I understand Keem was like, oh, it's G-Code, but I like G-Code, so that's why I rock with him. If you're going to talk about a playmaker, he's up there, but I don't fault anything you guys say. Or even before them, the names, you know, the all oh, the greats that he named before, you know, he came along. But I'm going to go with Magic Johnson just because I was going to put him as my all-time point guard, but then I was like, I went with AI. 
So, you know, that's what I don't think I'm a, yeah, I'm just making my playmaker. I mean, his his accolades are crazy. We know what he did. He's a five-time NBA champion, three-time Finals MVP. And just look at the team he was running with, bro. Like, and again, another person where I could argue at that point guard percentage, I mean, point guard position, help evolve the game, change the game. Like, it wasn't always. I mean, a lot of his highlights, if you watch them and you see clips, it was always fancy pat. It wasn't always like that. Sometimes he just, it was a lead pass or a bounce pass. I'm keen trying to do in 2K all the time and it don't work. Like, bro, that yep. stuff, take, it takes timing. It takes timing. Like, and his IQ was on a different level. Like, the, the vision he had is the stuff that um, we coach kids and kids want to come to practice with goggles. Like, nah, I'm going to drill my head up. I want to get vision like, you know, these guys had. And it's like, kind of, you don't develop that. Like, it's something he might, the way he seen the floor, like, it was just natural, man. It was just natural, which is why his name always gets brought up. So, playmaking for me, definitely Magic Johnson. Okay, right. Team, you said, team, you said soccer, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's one, I think, one of the most underappreciated point guards of all time. And then with Ant, like, I don't fault you, you know, for taking Magic, because Magic is Magic. And, you know, at 6'9", the way, you know, he was running down the court, it was just, it was special. Boy, truly was. I don't, just, I don't appreciate that slander we're talking about, like, he was trying to do in 2K. First of all, it's not my fault Mike Wayne's passes in 2K don't work. I could throw a bounce pass and it, it rolled down the court. It works. It works sometimes. It goes in. It goes in. Oh, it your feet. You, I got to get better catching. I don't know. Get your passing. Your catching rate is up in 2K. Get the catch and shoot badge. They got it in the game. But now we're going to move on to scorers. Greatest scorers of all time. Who y'all had? All right, listen. This is going to be easy. Jordan, next person. It's funny you said Jordan because, honestly, your point guard was Curry, and you brought up Curry was your point guard because... I I brought up Curry because Curry, I think, is the best shooter of all time. Okay. But, yeah. but when it comes to scoring in multiple different ways, that was all Shooter after score now since Soda already okay. that is shooter. And so <laughs> you do your shooter after you do your score. Who was your score, Ant? I wasn't trying to check you. I was trying. I thought you would go with that same person, but I get it because that, that boy could score the I'll answer for Ant. Kevin Durant. <laughs> Nah, nah, for real. It is Kevin Durant. I mean, bro, like, like, there's no way we're going to have a topic like this, and I'm not going to put my favorite play in there some way, somehow. I had to finagle some. And I feel like with this, you can go, it, it depends, you know, who you like watching score. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some people would like watching just shooters shoot, which is still scoring the ball. So that's why I was like, I'm not sure if so is going to go with Curry. But yeah, I, um, I'm going with KD, man, just because it's so effortless, man. Like, it really is, bro. Like, with that seven-foot, like, wingspan and, like, coming down court, like, that's not, that shouldn't be legal. Like, bro, that's not, and his handles got better, his vision got better. Like, each year, he keeps progressing. Like, bro, he's coming off the Achilles injury, and it's like he, he never even had the Achilles injury. Like, bro, the fact that he can come down court and hit people without really even doing a crossover. He got hesitation stunner. I don't even got that badge in one two K, but he got the hesitation stunner on Hall of Fame. And then if you if you don't fall for that, then he gonna bop you. And that's what crazy because he's so tall. It's like you could put him at the five. What center's guarding that? 
You put him at the four. What four is guarding that? And then you put smaller dudes on him. He's shaking guards. Like he really yeah, shaking. He, he, he's a matchup nightmare. It, it's it's crazy, bro. He pulling up from any range you want. It's in the gym. It oh, is. Hey, it, I hear what you're saying. I see you got your KD. How you like? Oh, KD, Mike. KD. All right. <laughs> Check KD. Sound like the appetizer. I I get all of that. I don't want him. Now I spend. Now I ain't watching play live. Wasn't born yet, but I've watched enough uh, ESPN. You know, flashback games or highlight games, classic games. There's even games of him on YouTube. So I'm gonna name the person who was KD before he was KD. And the man's name is Alex English. Now, you may not know who he is because he played in the 80s with the Denver Nuggets, but that man was KD before KD. For his career, he averaged 21 points a game, but his high point in one season was 28. And he averaged about 25 his 11 years with the Denver Nuggets while shooting 50% from the field. And all he shot was mid-range jump shots and late. And all of that Ann just talked about, his ability to make moves off the dribble, pulling up over the top of people, getting to the basket. He's a nightmare, a matchup nightmare for anybody on the court. That's what that man Alex Ingers was. He just played in the era where they didn't shoot threes like that, so he don't got that three-point percentage out there. But well, well, what was his field goal percentage? Though? 50. He shot 50% on the game. KD's right there, too. Yeah. KD, so the, so the, I see what you're saying. The KD before KD, and they like the same person. KD, like, I, I guess. I, you know, I get it, because KD career averaging 27, which he could easily bring that career average up. You know what I mean? He's averaging 27 on 50%, seven rebounds, four assists. You feel me? Like, it's, yeah, but I, I respect that, because Keem, a lot of points. You're just trying to show the viewers you know your basketball knowledge. I get what you're doing. That was. Scoring team history. That eighties Denver Nuggets team one of the best scoring teams in it. They had yes, yes, they were. Yeah, bunch of bucket getters on that team. So I figured, like, for the youngins out there, they gotta know. They see that man, they might come back to the gym with that little between the legs crossover midi. Like, ooh, who is that? KD. Uh, Like, like I said before, I don't think there's any wrong answer. It's all based on the eye test on what you like, what your preferences as a person. Mello, Prime Mello was a bucket in Denver, by the way. So who's yours, Soto? Who's yours? I know who, who I'm tempted to yeah. Soto not a scorer mindset. He a defender and passer. Well, we're doing yeah, scorer. Well, all right. So I, I might have messed this up, but best, the best scorer was Jordan. Best shooter, you did in the last segment, was Curry. But <laughs> make sure I'm, I'm understanding that correctly because you – you said both at the sleeves, like Jordan and then Curry's. I'm like, no, 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 no. Curry, Curry, best shooter. Jordan, your best, best score. I'm clearing that up. So your best shooter is uh, Curry. Okay, no problem. Uh, you've already right. said why earlier, so I'm going to make you double down. I know why you respect Curry already. You already said that. So who's your best shooter? Best shooter of all time is Curry. Oh, you said Curry? Yeah, yeah. That's easy because. What are we doing? Top of the list, bro. If it wasn't Curry, I was going to go Reggie. Not gonna lie, I was gonna go Reggie Miller, but bro, uh, like Curry, Ray Allen, uh, Ray Allen's up there too, there. but he's a trader. So anyway, so so, so we're we going, so we're gonna act like so we're we gonna slander Jesus Shuttlesworth like he's not the all time three point maker right now. We're gonna just like you're that. At, no, he, you're he absolutely right, but we right. Gonna, it's, not, it's not gonna be that way for long, bro. It's not. It's a matter of time until Curry breaks it, and he's gonna break it. Five See, balls. the reason why I'm saying. Curry. I'm not. I'm saying Ray Allen, right? Because Ray Allen has made in his career 
Let me look at that real quick so I can stack. He made 2,973 threes, but he only shot 7,429. So that means at some point in his career, he wasn't a heavy three-point shooter. Super no, early on, he was, was, he was doing everything. And was a to-the-basket, mid-range shooter, and occasionally shot threes. Curry's been in the league less time, and he's already shot over 5,000 threes. So it, it comes to a point where it's like, you take more, you're going to make more. So it's, it's inevitable that he's going to take a lot. So the reason why I don't always put a heavy emphasis on three-point shooting is because Jason Kidd is a top 10 most-made three-point shooter, and he came in the league not a great shooter. So it's hard to say, oh, Reggie Miller, same thing, made about almost, almost 2,000 threes. He didn't take that many on his career. So you got some guys who just simply took less threes so when I think shooter, I don't just don't think three point. I think three point, mid range, and free throw line. Now Curry shoots high from three point. He shoots high from the free throw line, but he don't really take mid range jump shot. No, but if you if you talk about all that, then we can add Rip Hamilton in there too. Yeah. So that's you know why I, mean? I try to expand oh, rip. than just going the obvious. And that's why I said I thought about Reggie Miller heavy, but it's just like I look at it this way: when it's all said and done, bro, Curry is gonna have. 95% of them records. And you want to know who's going to have the rest of them records? Thompson, his sidekick. So it was like, how could you not go with someone who's going to be leading when it's all, when he's all done, the NBA with three point shooting, probably three point percentage. The reason why I say that is because there's a man in Atlanta that may have something to say about being good. Ice Trey. Cause he put them joints up just like Curry do. He can hit them just like Curry do. So one day from now, five years from now, we might be saying, Oh, that boy Trey Young going to catch him. So that's the possible why. But it's not that nice. It's hard. It's not that nice. He might put up, like, if that's no. better, he can make, like, shit. If, oh, no. If they were shooting like this, he's been this last five years, his whole career, he'd be up there in three-pointers as well. 100%. I, I just think with, with, with Curry, it's like he can shoot off the dribble and pull up Ray in the face. And drink. You know, Ray Allen was more of a, like, a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. You thinking an old man, Baldy Ray Allen? That's yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a little bit. I mean, I'm thinking about you know something Ray Allen. I know somebody. You know, you want to elaborate on? Jesus Shuttlesworth Ray different. You don't know about Jesus Shuttlesworth Ray Ray. He's a little different. Ain't you a little heard about Ray Allen? Because he loves nah, that. Nah, I heard at all. Nah, I heard at all. I always respected Ray Allen. Um, he got in one of my favorite basketball movies ever. So I'm not gonna. Disrespect Allen. Um, you just called him a traitor. <laughs> that's not disrespect. That's facts. He went to the rivals. Like he is a traitor. Don't, don't mean he's not a good shooter. That that's not me disrespecting. That's that's me stating facts. I don't smoke with that man, but it is what it is. I mean, great. I mean, and the only reason why I really don't got is because like he had beef with Rondo and. The direction the team was going, uh, so it wasn't just. But it's just like you feel me. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna pull you know a B and drag it out. I'm just keeping it short and simple. I'm just telling you, there's no smoke with him. I respect Ray Allen because I'm a fan of the young Ray Allen, the young Milwaukee Bucks Ray Allen, the Seattle Sonic Ray Allen, the Jesus Shuttlesworth Ray Allen, where it wasn't just shooting. I mean, just threes. It was shooting middies, defense, going to the hoop, dunking on people. Like Ray Allen was a horse, bro. So, 
But who's your greatest defender? We talk about buckets a lot. Who's your greatest defender of all time? Can't throw from defense in there. Just for, for people that like defense. The glove. The glove. Someone's going to go Bruce Bowen. I know he is. <laughs> he might. That part of him might want to say Kawhi. Kawhi? I, I don't know. See, that that's, that's, that's hard for me. Because you can, you can go with the glove. You can go with, you know, Bruce Bowen. I would go with Kawhi. I, you know, it's hard. If I were to pick one, it's either, it's between. Say Kawhi, bro. Just say it. It's okay. Nah, nah. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. So, believe it or not, I would either, it's either Hakeem Olajuwon or Scotty Pippen. It's one of those two, and I can't really pick. Took my choices. I I thought about Scotty too, and that's why it's tough. Like, yeah, no, I've see, I've because defense is like, bro, there's top guards who were the like top guard defenders, then you got your wings, which is where Scotty falls, and then you even got your bigs. The the only reason why I said like that's why I said you could pick whoever you wanted. That's why I said that. When I think, and also depends on your mindset as a defender. Like I think Elijah Wan rather was a great weak side defender. He was very good at blocking shots when people got beat. He was a very good defensive rebounder. But he was, at times, could be susceptible to one-on-one defenses. Like, I think a healthy Patrick Ewan has a different series against him than what Patrick Ewan had when they get in the finals. So that's why I didn't say a lot. But when I think, to my preference, when I think a defender, I think somebody that if I know, the reality is the ball starts on the perimeter first. Even before it gets down there and post, somebody got past it there. So if you got a great post player, you usually got a great perimeter player too. So when I think defense, I think somebody that can guard a one through four, especially in today's game with stretch fours and all that good stuff like that. Who can guard a one through four in any era? You put them in any era, who can lock one through four? Exactly. And that's why I got to go Scotty because in any era you put him in, you're going to put him on the other team's best scorers and know that that person going to have a hard time scoring because yeah. that's just the type of defense he was. Even your boy KD used to. Six seven matchup problem. Even somebody like KD, it's not going to be easy buckets if he's being guarded by Scottie Pippen. So that's why I said Scottie. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to name another one, just for you know, just for the color of the conversation, you could also put Rodman. Yeah, very true. Same thing. He's been really guard multiple players. That's why he's yeah. very good. Because yeah, once you said once you said like, oh, think of a player that can guard the one before. I'm like, oh, Rodman could, uh, you know, did it multiple times back then. Yeah, because defense is one of those things. Yeah, young, young Detroit, Detroit Pearson, Robbins, San Antonio Spurs, Robin. He was guarding guards, bro. He guarded whoever he. I guards would try to do the pick and roll to get the switch, and that's not what they wanted to switch on them. They didn't want Robin out there with him. Plus, he he was always physical, and guards don't like that. (laughs) Even the '80s guards didn't like that. Not not from someone who's supposed to be that. Not from a big. Think about it. Robin was a big, so yeah, I I could definitely agree with the Robin situation. But yeah, it's all based on your perspective. What are you looking at? That's why I was like, you can go any way with this because there's a lot of good defenders in the NBA. Well, there was, there is. So it's like, it all depends on the eye test, what you're looking for, all that. I forgot about Patrick Beverly. I'm going to lock up. <laughs> this year, he got more fouls and steals. So he a hack. Always been a hack. It's catching up to him. Crazy part you said about fouls. Vince Robin, I mean, excuse me, Scotty Pippen on his career only averaged two point eight fouls a game. So that means that man locked up and stayed out of foul trouble. Scary. Hey, 
Yeah, because you know, he had long ass arms and huge hands. He was the Kawhi before Kawhi. Very true. He was legit in the passing lanes, chase down, lock in, lock up. So I, I respect the Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman answers for sure. I respect those two. With, with that, that brings us to our, our ending, our closing, if you will. And I like to try to close out every episode with a, with a closing thought to let y'all have a moment to have a hot take, say something bizarre, say something funny, or whatever's on your mind in general to close out on a positive note. So, any thoughts? Talk to y'all next week. I'm hungry, man. This food smells bomb. I appreciate the listeners listening. Y'all keep staying loyal. <laughs> For y'all listening, Ant is the fat boy out of the group. So now y'all know that. Now, my hot take is uh, there's going to be a lot more cancellations with this NBA uh, this week. And then hopefully after this week, they get control of it. But I see at least four to five more games getting canceled in the next two days. Unfortunately, yeah, that's I'm, just because everywhere is literally a hot spot. I'm gonna so I hate to say it. It, it, it hurts you, that. Yeah, I'm going to pick you back off. Yeah, I, I feel like either the season's going to be suspended or it's going to be cut. Short, um, by like, probably like, I'm gonna say like 20 or 15, 20 games. Um, yeah, because well, it's just I, that. I, I'm not going that far, but. I don't know. I just see it is the numbers right now are spiking. And I don't know if, you know, what's, if they have a backup plan. I mean, obviously, you know, they have one, but it's like we haven't seen anything and just, you know, each day we're seeing, oh, this player is, uh, can't play, health and protocol, this player, uh, you know, so it's like, what is the next step? Um, I don't know. I think they're going to shorten the season a little bit, or they might just suspend the season. Got you. Um, I don't see them suspending the season, but, uh, I definitely see a few more games getting postponed. I, I think it's going to take a lot, but all I'm thinking about is more the closer picture and the further picture, as in like a big day for the NBA is Martin Luther King Day. Hopefully, they get something on track for that because that's usually Monday, at least four to five games. You feel me? Good games. Like those games could be better than the Christmas day games. You feel me? I'm not even sure who's playing that day, but you never know. So it's just like, I don't want it to start to trickling into affecting, you know, big nights like that, especially with today, not today, but football wrapping up within the next month. You got college football championships tonight, so college football is done. You got playoffs next weekend. So, like, during the week, all people are going to be doing is tuning into basketball. But if they're starting to hit the primetime games now, if the primetime games are getting canceled, it's like, damn, we back to October. You feel me? Where there's nothing to watch on TV sports-wise. So, it sucks. So, there's not really much the NBA can do to get on top of it. You just hope people, you know, think about their family and just respect and my, my take last, this stuff serious, bro. My last question would be, like, do you think, like, at some point during the regular season, they'll be like, all right, you know what, just at this, and this will help. I don't, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. They, they, they've been pretty trying to stay positive in the, the hopes of that they can make it through, you know, the season without having to do that. Um, but I think they're prepared for any possibility. But I'm going to say I don't know. I'm going to be very honest. I don't know. Because it's one of those things where it's out of their control. And they got to make whatever decision they feel is best if that occurs. So with that, uh, Ant, you got any? No, I was going to say, what was your hot take? What was my hot take? Yeah. I pretty much said everything. You know, the COVID. So we all worried about the bubble. I mean, uh, the COVID situation affecting games. Yeah. Okay. And plus, yeah, I went serious. So I ain't going to say something silly. I'm going to keep a serious tone 
I'm not going to ruin it by saying something funny for no reason when that's a serious topic and something good to close on. So that brings us to the end of this episode this week. We'll be back again next week with another episode. And again, I thank all our listeners and I thank all our viewers for listening or watching. You can follow us on our social medias, Facebook and Twitter, Sounds of the Hardwood Podcast, YouTube, Sounds of the Hardwood Podcast. And thanks for listening.